This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is the pod you've always wanted to hear. We are two guys that sometimes drink beer. And we say things that your mom told you to fear. It's the bad, 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 bad All right, we up in this piece, Matt. In the piece. We just live in the dream. And uh, one of the dreams that I've always had was to own my own company, and I've, I've, achieved, I've achieved it. <laughs> kind of. I, I think that even you would agree that I'm the CEO. <laughs> something like that. So, I yeah. mean, yeah, that's, what I, that's all I ever wanted. Something like a CEO. Mm-hmm. An owner, right? Then you're an owner now, of a business, and technically, yeah. it's just and not run like a business. Now, when you Yet. W- w- when you kick ass at business like me, <laughs> one thing you realize is, you know, what's the one of the most important things? Uh, I do hiring. Yes, the people are what matter, and, the, and that's never been more evident than with ZipRecruiter. Hiring is a challenge, especially with everything else you have to consider. That you know everything else you got to consider today. My God, that's but there's one place where hiring is simple. Fast and smart. That place is ZipRecruiter. Try ZipRecruiter for free. Free, I said, at ZipRecruiter.com slash Christian. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash B-A-D-C-H-R-I-S-T-I-A-N. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. And I will say this. It is hard to spell the word Christian for me. It is. Christian. <laughs> so I have to say that when I spell it. I go Christian or something like that. So yes. I know because I get all mixed up with the eyes and the A's. double vowels. It's, it's not, just I mean, it's I don't just know too much. Rules. When all we men. when we named this podcast, and I'm you know I mean when we named this podcast, I didn't realize how hard it would be to spell the podcast for me. Wasn't thinking of the promo code. No, I wish to God we would have named this podcast bad. <laughs> yeah, would have been better. Long term. Um, okay, so Toby, I haven't really prepared enough for the show today. Sometimes I'm just flying by the seat of my pants, but I'm checking my sure. notes here. Uh, I, we have on the show today Ravi Zacharias. No, he died, Matt. Oh, sorry. He, he's no longer with us. I'm uh, not up to date. What's today then? You know, I was getting ready to say rest in peace, but I, if somebody ends up being horrible, you don't want them to rest in peace, right? Uh, you, I'm not going to weigh in on that. I have no wishes. For the, you don't have, you don't anybody have pe- beyond this realm. Yeah, that's true. Well, uh, whatever's beyond <laughs> this realm, let it handle itself. Yeah, I, right. So, but he's no lo- he's no longer with us. And uh, so, I had read. I've been following him so for a while because I first got into Ravi Zacharias, and we're going to have Daniel uh, that wrote an article about 
Rabbi's uh, indiscretions, I guess, is sexual impropriety. What do you call? I mean, uh, having sex with women he shouldn't be having sex with, and uh, misconduct, rape, uh, misconduct. I, I think. I mean, some of the allegations are rape and all kinds of stuff uh, that's been uncovered. With uh, he owns several like uh, massage m- masseuse. What are the, uh, what do you call it? It's not a <laughs> it's not a massage parlor. Isn't that wrong? You don't call them massage works. parlors anymore. They yeah, call I them parlors. So. Okay. I don't know. Well, he owns several massage parlors and used money from Ravi Zacharias Ministries to uh, give them money and then force them to have sex with him and send them pictures. And all. He's done a lot of bad stuff. Anyway, so we have the journalist who covered that yeah. on today. Yes. That makes more sense. Okay. Right. Yes. He's coming on. Um, Daniel Silliman. It might be Silliman. Silliman, I think is his name. Daniel Silliman. And he agreed to come on and talk about it. He wrote the article for uh, Christianity Today, and I think this will be really interesting. So I'm looking forward to it. Um and I, we'll talk about it more. But I followed Ravi for a while because it was kind of like that, uh, you know, it was that thing, um, kind of like Ben Shapiro, where they it'll be like Ravi Zacharias destroys, destroys atheist yeah. or something, you yeah. know. And then he just says something, you know. And, and I mean, it was well spoken and it seemed legit. But there's a lot going on in that guy's, and it, it once again makes me think, why would you trust any person, much less a person that tells you God is speaking through them? That's Why would you trust true. that person? That almost seems like I mean that if God is speaking through you, maybe once in your life, but all the time, like you know, like these mega pastors and stuff. I mean, all the time that God needs them or is using them specifically to carry the word throughout the world with their jets and with their, you know their their money and their man all this stuff. I mean, their organizations that they're funding, their tax free write offs that they're doing. I mean. Why are these people, and I'm, I would say almost exclusively men, getting such? A, I mean, getting away with so much? They're getting a pass with so much. I mean, Ravi Zacharias had some some things come up over the last few years, even while he was still alive, that seemed pretty shady. Yeah, now, did you have course, a profile on him? Did you have a suspicions or thoughts about him from ten years ago to two years ago to recently? I didn't at first, and then some things started coming up. Um, let's just save it for when Daniel comes on, because I, I want to ask him about it too. Because Christianity Today wrote several articles. Um, one of this article that he wrote, he he co-authored it with Kate Shellnut, and she back in 2017 wrote an article about Ravi Zacharias responding to sexting allegations in 2017. He mm-hmm. died in 2019, and so uh, I mean, this is and. His organization defended him, and but I mean, there's there's a bunch there. Uh, he called himself Doctor Zacharias, but it was an oh, honorary. Yeah. That was the first thing yeah, I heard that, that started to be funny was when it was like, yeah, that credentialing stuff and whatever. But the uh, point you're hitting on there about why would you trust anybody? Who I mean, you could start with why would you trust anybody? Why would you trust a public figure? Why would you, you know? Why would you? Or you should be the most skeptical. Of yeah. anybody who's doing things that are good, that whoever's doing the most good is who you should be most skeptical of. Is what I'm saying. I think you might be right. Or, I mean, you know, I mean, right. and when I say doing the most good, I'm saying claim, but they don't claim it. But you know, the projections of organizations where the thing is like the real serious thing that's like yeah. really needed. And I'm not just talking about Christianity. I'm talking about philanthropy and all this stuff when it's vague especially when it's vague and it's just awesome and they just really care fuck no right no 
that you're, I'm more skeptical of you than any used car salesman. And then if you prove me wrong, fine. That's fine. But I right. at least trust a used car salesman more than whoever is doing good in the world. I think the big thing, Personally. too, that really stuck out with this, and uh, it just made me think, man, now at least we have the Internet and people are more connected and it's easier to see through some of these you know, charlatans and grifters and bad people. I was just thinking, think about over the centuries how many people used, <laughs> used the name of Jesus and, and right. like really did bad. I mean, of course, I, I've always known that, but like it never hit more home harder. I was just thinking, man, this Ravi Zacharias guy seemed so legit. Seemed like a nice older guy that just wanted to really, you know, be an apologist for the Lord. And then you just go, oh, he's just shitty. He's just he's the shitty. Ben Shapiro thing is right. He always has made all of his nut on, pardon the pun, on the of the destroying of people, like the the, the right. hero of shutting a, yep. a, the evil person down. So that's a easy. If you could have that skill, you can get. Yeah. You could do anything because you'd have unlimited support, and he did, right? Because he had a very special skill in a war that he was involved in, right? So to in the war of Christian culture war of Christianity, he was a great skilled soldier who could really annihilate an enemy evil person really well. Yeah. And he did that in many ways. But that was the thing that everybody loved him as a hero for. And if you had a soldier in your war that could do that, like Brad Pitt at the beginning of Troy or whatever, you know, like yeah. that's who he was. And so I'm sure he's a ladies' man. Right. <laughs> or, or whatever. He gets drunk all the time. I mean, I don't – whoever's the biggest hero that has some special skill can also get away with the most every time. Right. Michael Jackson could get away with a lot for his special skill, for instance. Right. That's how that works. It will, whoever has the most skill and then is doing good, especially the right. more vague it is, is where all the bad stuff will always I mean, be. That, that sounds like through evolution that way, though, too, though. Like so you, the, the big strong guy maybe gets more because he was able to fight off the bad it's enemy fine. or something. Good trade. not perfect. So what? It sucks. Yep. Uh, and, and so that just kind of becomes ingrained in you. But now, as life is changing, it's just, that's just not the case. So. Well, the Christianity part is 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 worse than a soldier from war who doesn't deny his roughness, though. Right is what I'm. This one, these type, when it's like in the name of something else other than the direct thing, um, for Jesus in this case or whatever that is, is um, more. It's it's more insidious because the it's more pretend involved. Yeah, there's a pretending need that's necessary. For his own self, probably. I'm sure he had to really do some gymnastics in his own head, too. Like, it wasn't, you know. Right. But the, the fact that there's so much of that in Christianity, this might be counterintuitive sounding, but I believe is more evidence of the reality of Jesus and God being real. The fact that there are more grifters in Christianity. Yeah, because it's so true, so true yes, and so it's good the best place that you, that you latch onto it, it. right. right. Because that is real. Jesus is no. the best. Therefore, he is the best person to hide under. Yeah. The best ever of all time. Yeah. He's in power. You know That's what I mean? That's a good like, point. Yeah. So even more evidence of Jesus' goodness is how shitty Ravi is, in my view. Yeah. From the get-go. And, you know, and it's always our willingness to want that king that the Bible always tells us not to want. That's, yeah, you're right. That's our central sin as as humans christians whatever it is that's it it just says it you don't want a king yes we do fuck you i want a king 
I'll take that one. Will he kill my enemy? Will he destroy him in a YouTube video? Okay. Right. We're good. We're good to go. Yeah. Well, speaking of people that you work with, that you want them to be good and trustworthy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you yes. want trustworthy people, right? Well, that you I mean, that's with. just a prime example of why finding great candidates to hire can be like trying to find a needle in a haystack, really. So, sure, you could post your job to some job board, but who knows who's going to respond then. But then all you can do is hope the right person comes along and which you should try zip is which is why you should try ZipRecruiter for free at ziprecruiter.com slash bad Christian. ZipRecruiter does the work for you. So when you post a job on ZipRecruiter, it gets sent out to over a hundred top job sites with one click. Then ZipRecruiter's matching technology finds people with the right skills and experience for your job and actively invites them to apply. You get qualified candidates fast. So while other services may overwhelm you with applications to sift through, ZipRecruiter finds you what you're looking for, the needle in the haystack. In fact, ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash badchristian. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash B-A-D-C-H-R-I-S-T-I-A-N. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash badchristian. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Very good. Well, I do think that the world we live in right now, there's some really good – that's what I think is kind of cool about the time that we live in. Everyone's trying to figure out how to move forward with stuff because we have access to information like never before – and so you can find out more about your local pastor or the you know the global pastors or you know the mega church pastors or whatever. You can find out more information about them and be more aware. But at the same time, it's in, infringing on freedom and what you you can, can do and what all that is. So it's an interesting time where you used to could just be yourself, and now your words matter more and your actions matter more because. Somebody can get hold of that information about you mm-hmm. more and more and more. And we just hadn't been able to figure out how to use it yet. Like it, we've used it immediately. Like uh, it's been kind of good to try and stop really bad folks. And, but it, we're still now trying to figure out who is actually bad and what does it mean to be bad or dangerous or hurtful or racist or misogynist or, you know, a rapist or what, you know, we're trying to figure out all these things now. Like the big, I don't know if you even saw it, the Ari Hammer guy. Army, Army Hammer, yeah. Army yeah. Hammer guy that's a cannibal or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> just, I mean, uh, you know, used to could get away with a little cannibalism, you can You could get away with, can- I mean, you were just kind of a cannibal. He, I don't know, is he full-blown cannibal? I don't, does he identify as a cannibal? I don't know. I don't want to put you, those. I mean, you used to could just get away with some you stuff. I don't know why we're going to be so picky these days. Can't eat shit. Can't you eat know, anybody. My God. Anyway, but uh, you know what's funny, too, is that... Uh, his name is Arm and Hammer, <laughs> like like the baking soda, right? Yeah, but, it's a weird name. Uh, I saw, a th- I was reading about it. Do you know that? I think it's his grandfather or great grand. One of them was actually named Ar- Arm and Hammer. And when that Arm and Hammer baking soda came out, he thought, "Oh, that's all his friends were like, oh, that's hilarious. You're named after a baking soda." And so he didn't create it or anything, but wow. he actually bought a shitload of stock in Arm and Hammer. And That's an made money story. on it. Yeah, I know. Isn't that weird? But it just the name was a coincidence. Armin Hammer, and they're Arm and Hammer or whatever. But anyway, so his granddad was that, and he I guess has some legacy money from that. But uh, he 
texted people or whatever about how he wanted to eat their blood or drink their blood and eat them and all this stuff. And so now, because of that, his career could is definitely in jeopardy and maybe over. And that was a thing that he was texting to people, and now he might not ever work again. And I don't I know. I think he might have, you know, carved his name in blood on people's vaginas also, though. He did that? <laughs> I think oh, I so. Oh, I didn't, re- I didn't know <laughs> yeah. that. He carved his name on their vaginas in blood? I, I think, I, yeah, I think he carved. Well, that's a little different than, than and, a text. My yeah, yeah, God. My, yeah. <laughs> Are you sure that's, was, that's the. I, something like that. I mean, it's not just text. It's not a okay. text issue. I'm gonna I'm gonna do some research. I'm typing in army. Ha- I'm gonna type in army hammer. Uh, what? How would you word that? Carve C A R V. Carve vagina V A G. Just type vag. Let's see if it, you know. vag carve vag. His name in blood. See what comes up. I mean that's not. I mean other people well, have done that. Alleged. Very first thing. Allegedly. He. This is awful. This is not funny. I'm just shocked by the title. I'm not laughing. Another woman. Another. (laughs) I told you not to laugh. No. I'm not laughing. Another woman. So there was another one. Now there's another one. (laughs) Who claims to be the actor's former girlfriend opens up about an alleged knife play that left her with a permanent scar during their real life Fifty Shades of Grey without the love. Oh, was he the guy from Fifty Shades of Grey? That's No, it's just that the topic is similar. He's not the actor from Fifty Shades of Grey? I don't think so. Uh, maybe not. I think it's just the same subject matter. Well, it says, uh, and this is from Ace Showbiz, his his problems continue to mount as another ex-girlfriend comes forward and with claims he carved a letter A into her body. Paige Lorenz alluded to the relationship with the movie star in the YouTube video earlier this week, and now she's, 20, she's a 22-year-old model, has shared her story with Daily Mail TV revealing that she spent uh, time with Hammer, and that he cut her, uh, and was a I guess somewhat abusive. Here I'm trying to scroll through here, but Lorenz claims that he she was often left bruised after time spent with Hammer. Adding there were teeth marks and bite marks all over me. He was completely obsessed with biting me. He told me be proud as they were just love bites. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, he saw it differently than she He's, did. Yeah. That- Different point of view, I guess. I don't well, know. All right. So, um, okay, it looks like we are at that point of the show. Our Daniel Silliman is in the waiting Zoom waiting room. If you're ready for him, Toby. Well, I am. But first, I wouldn't mind uh, doing a little bit of music here because okay. I'll roll some music to get you kick ready. Kick that what music you hear? for me. How about I, some Demon Hunter? I'd love some Demon Hunter, my friend. You're listening to I Will Fail You, one of the songs from Demon Hunter's upcoming project, Songs of Death and Resurrection. Songs of Death and Resurrection is a collection of beloved Demon Hunter songs that have been reimagined into acoustic arrangements featuring the full band, string sections, and lots more. To pre-order the record, head to demonhunter.live to find exclusive shirts, box set vinyl, and more, or head to the Solid State Store for more vinyl variants as well. 
I Will Fail You is one of the several singles currently available, and many more are on the way. So go follow the band's Spotify and Apple Music pages so you don't miss anything. Songs of Death and Resurrection is available everywhere on March 5th. Pre-order now. All right, let's bring on Daniel. Okay, I'm going to admit him and go from there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hey, Daniel, can you hear us? How's it going? Pretty good. How are you guys? Not too bad. We're doing good. We were already rolling and recording. If you just want to jump in here, we were already discussing uh, Ravi and a bunch of other stuff. So this will be the point. If you share the show, you tell them to skip all yeah. that part and you go just straight to this. Man. Yeah, just we to this. <laughs> we, we were just saying that Ravi is the army hammer of Christianity. <laughs> What do you, what a army hammer? What does that mean? <laughs> you have to look it up. Yeah, you got to look it up. You just got to look it up, Daniel. You're a, you're a journalist, Daniel. Come on. <laughs> it's another celebrity with a scandal, but yeah. uh, you know, he's not in the Christian space. So, yeah, a sex oh. scandal. Oh, you said Arnie Hammer. I, I heard Army Hammer, like a hammer that you use in the army. I'm like, is that a oh. Swiss army? Like what are we talking about? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, sorry to sorry to throw you off. Go ahead. No, no, no um, We're glad to have you though today, uh, especially just because this story is kind of fresh, and your article just came out, right? Yeah, How, last week. It just came out last week, so we've been kind of paying attention to it for a period of time, and uh, you know, fo- following it. But now, having read your article, it feels finally like makes sense to get the full picture understand i thought your article was terrific and before we talk about that though i would like to ask a question about just christianity today and getting caught up to that what its history is and how you got to be there because it seems like to me in the last five years it's really become a different situation journalistic with journalistically with christianity like five or six years ago there wasn't so much net need for this hard journalism and watchdog stuff and now even christianity today which would have i would have thought was a more conservative place this and that is like really has a serious job to do these days of watchdogging and reporting and this kind of stuff and that doesn't seem like it's going to stop so i'm curious how you've seen that landscape maybe i'm just out of touch but how you've seen that landscape to develop to where we are today and how you got involved to this level to be reporting to this detail yeah, sure. Christianity Today has definitely um, had hard news reporting, actually from the beginning. Like if you look at the, you know, so it starts in 1956, um, and it's it's Billy Graham's idea that they should be a magazine. And the magazine, his idea is to kind of distinguish between the, like, fundamentalists who are angry all the time and the people around him who are more interested in evangelism and are willing to work with, like, Anglicans in the UK and stuff and are not quite as as angry about those types of things. But if you look at those first magazines, like they have news reports, um, like here's what's going on in India or, um, you know, here's what's happening with Christians in Alabama or stuff like that. But they, it does take a, the magazine does get more involved in kind of investigative stuff at some point. Um, I want to say the nineties, there was actually there was actually a couple of things with um, like relatives of Billy Graham, and that was kind of the the line where Christianity Today was like, okay, if we're gonna report on bad stuff happening uh, or happening because of or by people related to Billy Graham, then like that's clear that that's what our commitment is, mm-hmm. um, you know. And we're definitely more interested in reporting on 
people in our tribe, so to speak. Not totally sure. happy with the language of tribe, but we're definitely right. more about holding people to account who we think are like on our side or or generally part of the larger project of um, evangelical Christianity. Uh, I just started in 2019, so it's I'm relatively new. Um, the I've been working on the Ravi Zacharias stuff since last August, mm -hmm. um, so for a while now. But that's definitely the biggest thing I've done since I since I started Christianity Today. It just and seems like that thing where you have to once you go into giving an account, holding people accountable, and doing investigative stuff then it becomes, I guess, incumbent upon you to do it and do it well, and you can't leave stuff out at that point. You're obligated. So now it seems like there's – tell me if I'm wrong about that, but there's an acceleration of things to investigate over the, this – and, you know, with the information being available on Twitter and the culture moving to where people come forward about more things more often, um, or you, can't, you know, there's more to investigate, it seems, these days. I do think – I do think that people are more willing to come forward. Um, people at least have the idea that it can work out well for for um, like whistleblowers uh, and or victims. Um, you know, people. I mean, I think this is this is the Me Too movement. This is um, you know the the stuff that came out with the Catholic church with the Boston and starting with the Boston investigation and the spotlight team at the Boston globe, you know, people learn how to report and people who've been living actually in secret sort of see an option to, to sort of tell their story. So I don't know that it's, um, I don't know that it's a hundred percent a change with us. I don't know that it's a hundred percent change with Christianity. I feel like we're just a part of this like mm -hmm. larger thing. It does feel like Christianity in general, though, is in a big shift, and this is. It does feel to me like, uh, like Matt was saying earlier, like Christianity Today would seem like a a site or a publication that was uh, just real pro everything church. And now with articles like this, I feel like there's some credibility added now. Not that there wasn't credibility before, but even more to, to call out our own. Like you said, I, I know you used the word tribe. I kind of agree. Uh, maybe it's not the best word, but our our group has done a pretty poor job in general of calling out ourselves. You know, like I, I think overall mm -hmm. Christianity has had a real failure with, uh, let's give them a second chance. Let's, uh, you know, it's such a good person. Uh, you know, man, he, you know, that pastor has meant so much to somebody, to our, uh, the movement and all the stuff. And there has been a lot less clear reporting and clear data. And so it, it, it is pretty eye opening now, uh, to see this and, and for you guys to be taking these hands. I, I mean, do you guys, when you do something about like Ravi Zacharias, he passed away, what, in 2019? Is that right? Or May 2020. May 2020. Um, and there was in the, the the most recent scandal came out in September when I reported them in September. That was the September, 2020. So yeah, uh, a couple months after he died. Basically. Do you, do, have you received pushback because he died and let's just, uh, he's gone. Let's just move past or, or people been receptive to this critical uh, stand, uh, report that you've given. Yeah. Well, to back up for a second, I just want to push back a little bit. You said like, uh, maybe we used to be Christianity today used to be really pro church and now we're more willing to report on scandal. And it's, it's very, it's very clear to me that we're doing this because we're pro church. 
Mm-hmm. Like that reporting oh, on yeah, scandal. Right, yes. Right. Yes. Just to be very clear. No, no, I'm yeah, sure, yeah. I'm sure, I'm hundred percent sure there were people in the past who were like, let's not report on this. It'll hurt the church. Um, you know, but but my editorial team, the people above me and the people that I report to are very clear that not reporting on something like this would right. hurt the church. But that's so, yes. the mentality. That's a that's change. Great. That's, that's a change, right. absolutely. But the change is not that somehow we've stopped caring about the church. No, no, no. I think no, that's yeah, right. very pro-Christianity, I, I wanna, pro-church. Yeah. <laughs> I want to argue the opposite. No, yeah. no, yes. That, sorry. Yes, you're right. I, I believe Christianity Today, obviously, even in the title, is very pro-church, yeah. pro-Christianity. But I'm saying taking some of these stands and, and writing about that, that's what I'm saying. I think a lot of— I, I think But I'm, the, criticism, the criticism you pointed out, absolutely. All, the, I definitely have heard you know a million and one times that he that he died and so why even talk about it you know and you even saw in the in the, in the last report in the investigation that um that the rzim commissions you you heard um zacharias himself say don't tell on me because a, a million souls will be damned or something right like that. um so yeah, you you do hear that. Um, I got a ton of push pushback after I wrote his obituary. So I wrote his obituary for CT in May of 2020, and we kind of knew that there was some stuff. Um, certainly, the stuff from 2017, but we knew there was some other stuff that like seemed scandalous, but we didn't have right. any evidence and couldn't you know report. Um, you know, and for a reporter, the worst space to live is that space where, like, you know, but you can't say it. You can't prove it. You don't know. Right. So we wrote an obit that was very circumspect. It was like five paragraphs long. It was very short. It was just like, here's who he was. He died. Here's what he died of. <laughs> uh, and I used, uh, you know, a paragraph and a half of my five paragraphs to say these scandals have happened. We know that there's that this stuff has, has happened. Um, both mentioning both the um, sexting scandal from the sexting accusations from 2017 and the uh, credentials scandal, which was kind of rolling for a while. Um, and that's when I got the most pushback, actually. That's when I got letter after letter after letter. Really? Uh, yeah, uh, people really upset and really angry that that they just saw it as a moment to honor this person and to celebrate him. And the fact that um, that we were going to say, well, okay, but you can't not acknowledge this stuff. Like not right. acknowledging it is a, is a line that we're not willing to cross. And, and it's not – it doesn't have to be a moral line. I mean you, it really does not have to do anything with morality to know that you have to take care of your own self because it leaves you in further worst case to ignore things and then look bad later that you knew or could have said. It's basically that we have a duty to tell the truth – and that's the best way to cover your ass is tell the truth and not sit on things. Sitting on things can be obviously damaging. So there's a duty inherent even if you're just trying to protect yourself. And it's, part of, and it's also part of the immune system of any system of, so say, for the church. I consider what Toby and I do to be some function of the immune system of the church and what you do to be as well from a different point of view and with a different reason. But everybody knows it's necessary for for everybody to say the truth that they can. It's just very inconvenient for a lot of people a lot of times. So it takes special people or boldness or a publication or, a, you know, it takes other things to really push it through because nobody wants to, to hear it. <laughs> they just yeah. don't want to hear It's like way, if you could just vote, does anybody want to hear bad stuff or not about your hero? Everybody's, I mean, the majority, 
it doesn't get to determine shouldn't get to determine hard. that outcome. Yeah. yeah. What what does it feel like, Daniel, for like you ha- starting to collect information and the world doesn't know it yet, but you do. Like you said, you had to hold on because you can't report until it's actually real. You know what I mean? Like, like you can't. That would be. Uh, yeah. that could be dangerous or, or hurtful or you could be wrong. Like you have to do real reporting and you, you're holding this stuff in and knowing, Oh, wait a minute, there's some real bad stuff here. And then you, ha- you are building a case to write your article basically. Right. What, what does that feel like? Yeah. And especially with that first one in September, there was a really long stretch of time where I thought I might never get the evidence that I need to actually write this article. Like I just, I don't know. Um, you know, you, there's a, there's a kind of critical mass you need. Um, you can't just have one person tell you a bunch of stuff and then right. go to press, you know, you right. really have to be careful. So, so yeah, that was a pretty long haul. That took kind of weeks and weeks. That's not true for a normal article, like a normal article, you have a pretty good idea. Like I'm going to call, I'm going to talk to a couple people, going to do some research and then I'll write it up and it'll be ready to go. But, um, but yeah, this required a lot of careful work. I mean, talking to victims, first of all, the victims were not immediately ready to go on the record. There was a lot of negotiation of, um, you know, would they consider being named? Did they trust an organization that had Christianity in the name, you know, to, to do right by their story? Did they, did they believe that I was going to tell their story um, truthfully and, and, and accurately? So yeah, that's, um, that's a long, that's a long process to yeah. work. Through I can't all imagine that. building that trust with the victims. Like you, you had to do that so that, because they'd already been hurt. And now they think, what is it, is it going to be used against me? Am I, cause I'm, I'm a sure, I'm sure his was RZIM the mm-hmm. had probably contacted them and talked to them. And they, and, and were the victims kind of scared to talk at first? Like, was cause it, they didn't know how the information. RZIM hadn't, hadn't had any contact with the people. RZIM didn't know who they were. Um, but, but they were all aware that RZIM had sued a previous, um, person who had Mm -hmm. made accusations. And so, you know, if you're a, if you're a normal human being (laughs) and there's a, 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 a ministry with millions of dollars and a famous Christian with lots of very rich friends who has a penchant to sue, like you're, you're cautious and, and reasonably cautious right oh absolutely the churches in my experience i've been through i've dealt with more than one church more than one mega church for more you know with boards and uh negotiations and things like that that are very zero sum and and negative and you, you start to get the feeling of how powerful those things are and how unlikely they are to change and some of the details about that i find to be really the most important about your article and most disturbing mm-hmm. t- to me because the s- sexting i mean i can get my mind around that pretty easy you know and i he's got way worse stuff than sexting i want to talk about it too but in general a yeah. large figure who's very powerful and has sexual misconduct that's to whatever degree that is that's very at least uh common or easy to understand at least but the ways that the organizations that are supposed to hold those people the, the whole idea that these boards are for accountability and to help and to prevent that when they become complicit with cover-ups and ignoring information some of that becomes the most disturbing stuff the details of that um, and the particular thing in in here in this article that you that I would I'm gonna say a few things from it but 
this is the thing that turns my stomach the most. Uh, that it, it says in there, Zacharias warned the woman, and this sounds like it's out of the Bible. Zacharias warned the woman, a fellow believer, if she ever spoke out against him, she would be responsible for millions of souls lost when his reputation was damaged. Isn't that evil? <laughs> That's yeah. crazy. You know that, and that was uh, I don't I don't remember all of the context of that, but just hearing that line just stuck out to me. I copied and pasted because I was like, "Damn, yeah, yeah." Um, there were a couple of there were a couple of lines like that, and it's also stuff like that that starts having the, you know, the ring of truth. You were asking like, when do you know you kind of have the story? The the woman in in twenty seventeen ha- had quoted Zacharias as saying. I deserve this. Like he had this sort of justification that that he told her, according to her. The first woman that I talked to who worked at one of the spas in in Atlanta quoted that line verbatim from her own experience with Ravi Zacharias. Mm. She said he, you know, she said, this feels wrong. This seems wrong. This seems terrible. Um, You're married. You also own this business. Like there's a bunch of layers where the, the the power seems abusive um she didn't quite say it like that but that was definitely the idea and he gave this justification oh well i deserve this i've given so much to ministry this this should come to me um and then in the report that that um the independent investigation that came out last week that we reported on there's another woman that the lawyers there found who has exactly the same line so you have like over the course of a decade or more multiple victims who don't know each other all telling very similar stories uh giving very similar details but then even using like that line you know that that self-justification by the sentence yeah well he's so good with words and logic and uh persuasion like that's part of his gig is he's ultra persuasive that is his ultra skill and he knows how to use yeah. credential. I mean, all of those things. I mean, it's a it's a very powerful situation. Not to mention just having money or being able to settle or get NDAs written and stuff like that. It's just it's, and the victims, it's astonishing. And the victims that I talked to for that first story in September were very clear that like he cared about them, you know. And that was the first moment when they like let their card guard down like he was able to be um um, vulnerable and authentic and in the conversation and like connect with them as people um and i think i mean i think that's that's part of what makes it so devastating right is is that that is a real human connection right then gets abused that then gets you, you in retrospect realize, oh, that person didn't care about me. It was all manipulative, but they did have a human connection that they were willing to manipulate in that case. Well, well, let's let's go back there a little bit because you're you're, I guess, was that your first article back in in September twenty nine, uh, twenty twenty? Right. For folks listening, Ravi, the title of the article is Ravi Zacharias's ministry investigates claims of sexual misconduct at spas, and so he had passed away in May, right? Um, right. But when did how did you find out like what, what's the journal what was your process of you heard some allegations or what what did you hear and then start investigating about it when when and how so i got contacted um by um 
Steve Boffman in August. And Boffman, for those who don't know, is um, he sometimes goes online as the uh, banjo atheist. Um, and he's a part-time attorney, part-time student, um, part-time music teacher out in California. And he had been, um, I think he originally started looking up Ravi to like try and debate him and argue with him over uh, or apologetic stuff yeah and then stumbled into or discovered some of the um credentials problems right and since then had been writing and had a blog called ravi watch and had been kind of documenting stuff that just wasn't as it seems um so i um he contacted me in in august um, and basically said, I have some information. Um, I can put it out there, but everybody just thinks I'm a crazy atheist who is obsessed with Ravi. Right. A friend has convinced me to tell you first. And if you can report the story, maybe it will have, maybe people will listen to it. Maybe it'll have a bigger effect. Maybe like it'll have some, some credibility. And he said, pretty frankly, he's like, I don't trust you. I don't expect you to do this. I don't think they'll ever let you report this story. You know, the, he talked a lot. He had talked a lot uh, about the sort of Christian mafia protecting its own. And he basically was just convinced to kind of give it a chance um, yeah. to sort of trust me. Um, and so he told me what he knew um, and then gave me one contact um, at the spas in Atlanta and said, you know, go see if you can do it. Um, and so then I built the story from there. And, and, and Steve ended up actually um, releasing a YouTube video a couple weeks later. Um, I wasn't fast enough for him. Um, but I, yeah, started calling everybody I could. I started, the first, first thing I thought I was just gonna try and report that he owned spas. Cause even, even that wasn't surprised to me. Um, yeah. I don't know other major Christian ministers who own spas. Um, You know, all my reporting told me that these are, these were legitimate businesses. They weren't, um, you know, they weren't really for prostitution, but pretending to be spas, they really were spas. Um, And yet it's still an odd choice. I mean, yeah. So I first was like finding the financial information about that. Um, And then I, was able to was able to track down ultimately six women who worked there um and three of them told me that they'd been abused and were willing to tell me their stories um and and this was yeah this took we this took weeks and weeks and phone calls and phone calls and there were people that i like called at their place of work six times and you can't really leave that as a message hey, I suspect that you were abused by a famous Christian 10 right. years ago. Can you right. call me back? Yeah. So you have to kind of say, hey, I just, I'm, I'm looking to talk to you about this thing. And, you know, um, but yeah, so I found three women, slowly convinced them to tell me their story. First off the record, agreeing not to publish anything. And then, and then as we built up trust, sort of moved forward. And then was able to document as much as possible for my own sake and a little bit for the story about um, about them too, like that they worked where they said they worked, that they 
had the history they said they did and that kind of thing. And my experience there is that, um, you know, I've had people lie to me before stuff falls apart pretty fast. You yeah. can tell pretty quickly. Um, and for every true thing that you find out about someone, it's more likely that the next thing they tell you will also be true. Mm-hmm. So let's go to some, some, some of the allegations. So there's those which were along the lines of he would develop relationships with massage. What was the pattern there with the massage people? Yeah, so he um, would, according to these women, would go to the spas um, and he owned, so he owned, the first thing is that he owned them. He bought um, with a partner, a, a spa that's a couple of minutes from his office in Atlanta, their big like HQ headquarters there. Um, so they also worked for him um, though. He wasn't involved in like the day-to-day management. Um, but yeah, he would go, he would get a massage. He quite famously had a back injury. So he, which he treated with massage. Um, so that was sort of very well known. Uh, and then the story that they all told me is that he would, um, um, start relating to them very personally, build up a relationship with them, sort of see them regularly and then start pushing lines. Um, first taking the um, cloth off of him, so exposing himself, um, being erect in front of them. Sorry for people who just no expect problem. that word, but we've been talking about it for a while. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, we usually use We're boner, good. but it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In this case, I, I want to be a little more technical. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then touch. And then there was groping. Um, and they all told me that, like, it would start out seeming like an accident and then they would kind of back away and then it would get more invasive mm. and, and more. Um, and these women knew he was their boss and their, their, the owner um, and all of that. Right. Not, and I mean, then he was a famous Christian. Famous. Yeah. yeah. He had power second, and all of that stuff. Yeah. The second spa. Yeah. I mean, the headquarters are down the street. The name is on the building. It's wow. his name. It's not super secret. Um, and the second spa actually sold his books in the store, um, in the spa. And, and the women talked about like knowing that he was going to come in regularly. So they would like read his Christian books to have something to talk about with him wow. when he came in because yeah. he was this powerful person. Right. Uh, and then with the one, with the one person, he sort of escalated to the point of, uh, he would masturbate in front of her, um, basically every time. So more than 50 times over the course of a couple of years. Wow. So that's pretty, uh, and then know, but, but, and but all, all that happened between like 2004 and 2004, I think in 2012, it's about there's two spas. They're in exactly the same location. So the one folds and he opens up another one in the same in the same spot. And then, but there was also, what about like the, he had on his phone, how, how did you find that out? Like on his phone, there was pictures of naked women and, and texts and sex and stuff like that. What? So one of the women from the spas told me he, um, he solicited pictures of her and he was on the road all the time. Um, but she said she didn't give him any photos, That that for her was, was a line yeah. too far. Um, but in 2017, which is a few years after the spas closed, but we found, we found out about that first in 2017, uh, there's a woman in Canada who, um, 
whose husband was actually a pretty significant donor. He had purchased a bunch of radio time so that Ravi's, um, I forget what it was called now, uh, that wasn't Ravi's, but it's one of his uh, regular Christian radio spots um, yeah. could play on the radio. Um, and a woman in 2017 um, wrote the board think this is right she wrote the board and basically said i have been having a um text and phone relationship with ravi zacharias i feel really terrible about it um you guys should know about it um like this is a this is a problem and so those were the sexting the first sexting allegations that came out were in 2017 um and she said that he had you know, originally started talking to her about her problems, uh, her history of sexual abuse. Um, you know, they talked at a at a dinner, and then it progressed to email, and then it progressed to text, and then it progressed to um, sexually explicit stuff, including um, uh, images and um, phone sex, actually. Um, he replied in 2017 by suing her, and claiming that it was all an extortion scheme that yeah. she and her husband had cooked up this kind of crazy plot to get millions of dollars from them. So that right there is way off the rails, in my opinion, as far as it goes from, again, I can understand how people get involved or power is used and that you get into a sexting thing that, that I could kind of understand how that happens but once the person tries to say something about that or come into the picture and make that known the response from the board and the whole organization to sue that person seems insane like that seems so uh, like from his point of view at least like the board yeah. was giving him the benefit of the doubt i understand they shouldn't yeah. have but he had to at that point do something much, much worse than send or ask somebody for a new pick. That's bad to do. But to try to sue somebody to tarnish them and directly lie to your board and persuade them to do that mm -hmm. and go along with that, that is outrageously wrong thing to do. Like that is, a, you know, to cover yourself and what he must have seen is millions of souls on the line. I, I do mm -hmm. unfortunately have to destroy this one woman. I, and that's mm -hmm. the only calculation that one could make at that time. And I'm sure he wanted to shield the board from that burden. He said, um, it says that, that he, and these things are often so weird, like they hide in plain sight. This is the theme that I noticed with, uh, it was not just Ravi, but the pastor's things are, they seem to really hide in plain sight a lot. He was always talking about the importance of physical safeguards to protect my integrity. I'm getting this from your article of uh, the importance mm -hmm. of physical safeguards to protect my integrity. Um, that he was the architect of those physical safeguards himself, and he knew how to elude them. But he was the one always talking about how you needed all all that kind of stuff. But he th therefore could get around all. all yeah, that and kind he of talked. Thing. He talked in that sense. When the when the allegations in 2017 came out, one of his public defenses was, "Oh well, I follow the Billy Graham rule." Mm -hmm. So it couldn't even possibly be true because I'm never alone with a woman who's not my wife or I'm not related to. Um, it turns out that just wasn't true. And everybody knew that wasn't true. 
And I think there are lots of really good reasons to debate the wisdom of the Billy Graham rule. There are definitely like mm -hmm. some very, very uh, sharp criticisms of the Billy Graham rule. But the thing that stuck out to me was that he claimed this and everyone around him knew it was false. He met alone with women in his office. He left his office to go to massage therapy. No one thought there was someone else in the room with the massage therapist, like everyone right. knew. So it ended up That's being just... like, I follow the Billy Graham rule, except in my private life right. or in my working life, or I like, I don't know. I don't even know. Yeah. I should be clear though. Um, I, I may have misspoke earlier. The board didn't sue um, the accuser. Um, Ravi hired lawyers for himself. So okay. it was a sort of separate thing. Um, oh, okay. It's that's a technicality. But what is the board's response yeah. to that? Because they did reach her directly. The board, um, at the time, told everybody, we investigated, we looked into it, there's nothing there, you don't need to know anymore. Um, he did exchange emails, they said, but, and, and, you know, and he probably shouldn't have, they put himself in a bad situation, but nothing happened. Um, but the more, the more you look at it, the more it seems that that's just not, not true. Like, they basically said, did you do anything? And he said, no. And they said, all right, then we're fine. I mean, I think there was a very high level of trust. Um, the, there at some point was a binder of evidence. Um, but from what I can tell from the 2017 uh, scandal that the board looked at, but from what I can tell, the binder was selected evidence. No one just took his phones and looked at. They allowed someone to say, here are the emails you should look at. Uh, and then it's not clear to me who looked at the evidence, but it wasn't the whole board. Um, there was like sp specific people selected to, to look at the evidence. In this latest investigation, one of the things the lawyer, the independent investigator found was that even just a brief look at his phones that he had at the time, and he had multiple phones and multiple email addresses, would have turned up a bunch of photos, a bunch of photos um, of massage therapists um, actually around the world, both in the U.S. and, and in Asia. Yeah, there was so Thailand and Malaysia just are on the list there. Yeah, and India, which he's from India originally. I don't know. And then also, the, I mean, all these allegations are pretty horrific, but there is a rape allegation as well. Which comes out in the investigative report. So I don't know. I don't know that firsthand. I know that from the investigative report. It seems that um, at some point he started using ministry funds from a sort of special category um, for humanitarian aid and directing it to um, pay for stuff for massage therapists um, in Thailand and maybe India um, and like starting to pay rent for people, paying for people to go to school. And one of the women says that um, Zachariah started paying for stuff with ministry funds and then demanding sex from her in exchange for, you know, paying for everything in her life. And she describes that as, as rape. Um, she used the word required. Sex was required for that. Sex was required. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
Now, how about this one of the board? So the board didn't hire the lawyer or whatever, but it says here that the uh, at first RZIM hired the firm of one of the lawyers who sued the the people that they sued. I don't know if you're saying their name or not, but several people inside the ministry said Vice President Abdu Murray suggested enlisting a rough ex-cop to track down the accusers and uncover information the ministry could use to discredit them. Yeah, so in 2017, they definitely treat the accusations as um, an attack. I think they talk about it clearly as a spiritual attack. They see it as people who are, you know, opposed to the gospel going after RZIM through Ravi Zacharias. So then in, and then they sue, um, the suit gets settled. There's an NDA signed, a non-disclosure agreement. As far as I can tell, like stuff has gone away. They've taken care of it. Um, So then after the report in 2020 comes out with the spa allegations, the first response is to treat this again as an attack. We thought we were done with this, but no, look, there's still people that hate Jesus and hate the gospel. And it's so weird that they're saying today. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No. And I know that like they had prayer meetings where they prayed against satanic powers um, and the attacks that were coming. So, yeah. So the first response to the, to the allegations from the spa was not, man, we got to look into that. That sounds serious. Maybe we, maybe these women are telling the truth. The first response was we're being attacked um, we need to defend ourselves. And at least one vice president said, um, well, these guys helped defend Zacharias three years ago. Let's get them again. Um, but a rough ex cop private investigator to discredit them. That's what, I mean, first of all, we pray. That's the first thing. But after <laughs> that rough ex cops, <laughs> this is just, it's just wild. I do find that, in general, when people start talking about investigation and police, especially if they don't have a lot of contact with that world, they start getting uh, very colorful and they sort of buy into the the fantasy of the, I don't know, a Dirty Harry or a, um, a Sam Stone or some kind of gumshoe reporter who uh, investigator who's going to. Mm-hmm. But I do think there was a real concern. Um I mean, I don't know that that happened. I think, I don't know that they actually hired someone. I think you, that it speaks more to their state of mind than right. it does to an actual investigation. But, but that is, you know, that is the, con, the, the women who were abused, that is the thing they were, they were worried about, right? Or is this ministry going to use all its money to destroy us for telling the truth, to, to find stuff out about us and, essentially slander us until people stop believing us. And then there's the NDAs, which, I mean, NDAs, in my opinion, are not things, I don't think they're good, uh, especially when they're involved with churches. I've seen them used in church settings in terrible, terrible ways from Mm -hmm. even the inside, preemptively, after the fact, stuff like that. And what is the deal on this one with the NDA? There was an NDA that even still they won't let the person out of? So the woman who brought up the claims in 2017 is still bound by an NDA, um, which is held by the Zacharias estate, which is currently managed by Ravi Zacharias's widow, Margie, 
who has refused to, to lift it, even temporarily. So the independent investigator said, uh, we think this stuff that happened in 2017 is relevant. We would like to interview everybody, but there's this non-disclosure agreement. Will both parties agree to essentially put it on a hold or just like lift it temporarily? Uh, and the woman who's been quite vocal that it was a mistake to sign it and that she wants to be um, freed from it um, said, yeah, of course, I'll lift it. I'll talk to you. They can also talk to you. What happens um, if you break an NDA like now. that, though? Do you, you just have to give back the money they gave you or something? No, you can get sued. I mean, it sued depends you. on what the term says, but like you're violating the terms of a contract pretty clearly. And yeah. So she received money to not tell her side of the story yeah and so she's very worried that they would they i mean because they could sue her. even if she's telling the truth they could sue her and take everything potentially potentially yeah yeah, yeah. that's uh well i guess that's how those ndas work <laughs> that's why you shouldn't sign one i don't know i mean, I, mean you, I don't is, know what you can is. do about i'm it. not a fan of nda and as a journalist you know for me it's like you tell the truth beginning right. to end like that's a pretty important commitment but there, there is a, there is a logic to NDAs. If you're like, I don't know, if you're an, an advertising firm and you quit and you go work at another advertising firm, and you then say, well, I know all of their, all of their clients. Sure, I understand sure. that. Yeah. So like, there is, like, that's why the legal tool was invented. Yeah, there is a reason for a very limited use of an NDA. Proprietary knowledge, totally good with that. But now it's being used right. for. And I was able to see at the one of the the contractual language they gave to one of their employees um, who decided not to sign it as he was being forced out for partly for talking to me. Um, and there it said there was also a, specifically a non-disparagement clause. So mm -hmm. it's like it's not even pretending, um, hey, this is information that like we own or that it, you don't you don't have the right to spread it was literally saying you can't say anything bad about us like that's the the rule well that would distinguish that in my opinion it should be a couple of different ways they should have one should just be called hush money deal and the other should be called uh corporate information protection <laughs> but it's hush money i mean that's non-disparagement and okay i mean but yeah. and i don't blame the person for signing i really don't because if you are in the situation where you that's happened to you and you can get into a negotiation you're not those negotiations never go where you get what you want it's always some really horrible murky middle that the parties in a zero-sum exchange wind up at and that's just how stuff can go and but, they felt at the time and i think it's clear that this didn't work out but they felt at the time that they weren't interested in publicity they weren't trying to become like famous and tell their side of the story. And like it, they wanted, what they wanted was accountability. Mm -hmm. And it seemed like the money that the Zacharias was going to pay in the settlement was going to mean that somewhere the board was going to say, okay, like, why did you pay this money? Right. You didn't pay this money because you did nothing wrong. You paid this money. Let's talk about what you did wrong. And so they would, it would just like trigger accountability and then they would avoid publicity and not have yeah. to make it a like giant, you know, public reputation um battle which which no one wanted to have with bobby zacharias I, I think one of the things that you guys did really well too is that adding this the this section in here where uh it starts up here where it says psychological studies show us uh, sexual assault victims find that 
about 95% exhibit uh, symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder. And then you go on to list like one of the women stopped believing in God for a while. Another says she has not been to church since she uh, and can't trust religious institutions. A third moved away from Atlanta, changed her name, changed careers, never mentioned what happened, all of that stuff. I, I think the after effects is really important here. The, the, the trauma that these ladies went through, this, this man that seemingly is uh, Christian, good, beloved, uh, changing lives for the better, doing all this stuff is abusing these individuals. Like they had to fight against the global aspect of this guy's personality and reach that he's helping so many people, but to them, he was their abuser. And I think that's really important that you guys put that in there. I thought, I thought that was, that was, uh, uh, really great that you guys did that, but how hard was it for you I don't. I don't know. Were you a uh, like a fan or a follower of Ravi Zacharias? And now to talk to these victims, what what was it like for you personally? Well, I want to talk a little bit more about that that art that part you just mentioned because some of the accusations, like sexting, I do think people, normal people, can think, well, is that that big of a deal? Like that's fine, right? Um, you know, maybe it is or isn't my own preference, but like, it doesn't bother me if someone else is sexting with their partner or with someone. Um, but, but that's different when um, it's a famous person. Right. It's a different when it's a person who controls your financial situation. So mm-hmm. you were forced or you, right. you feel like you might be forced to do it. Mm-hmm. It's also different when it's a religious figure. You know, all of these women like originally thought one of their first thoughts, the women that I talked to, one of their first thoughts was I must be so bad that I caused this great, man who's honored who's praised who is celebrated all over the world for his holiness and who seems you know carries himself in this way too i did something to make him be gross to make right. him be perverted and so they took the shame you know they took the mm-hmm. the guilt and the shame of his acts on themselves and it wasn't until a lot of time and a lot of therapy um, and a lot of distance and, and growth too, um, to be able to say, wait a minute, I didn't, I was, <laughs> I didn't do that. That was done to me. Um, so I think that that dynamic really, really has to be, um, paid attention to. It seems to just be an accepted collateral damage to doing so much good in the world. That basically is what this all comes down to is a complicit system that says there's a certain amount of necessary evil to getting the kingdom work that this gets done. Just like they say, well, cars are bad because they kill 40,000 people, but overall we let cars happen. So to do the Lord's work, you know, these are just some of the bad things, but it doesn't erase what he did and all this, all the stuff. And you know, that's a tough, if you, if you look at that argument soberly, it's tough when there's individuals <laughs> involved. But, oh, 100%. But that seems to be the overall calculus. I'm not saying that anybody said that explicitly. I'm sure they all right. hid it from their own minds. But in their own hearts, that's what it, that's, the, that's the deal that everybody kind of understands with a certain, certain things that are like that. You just go, well, I'm sure it's not that great, but at least this. And that outweighs that. So there's always yeah. that. You know. So Max what will Peter happen to the pitched. ministries, though? 
Max Baker Hitch, who's one of the apologists who, who talked to me um, from within the ministry, he's in the UK. He said, I don't think anyone thought consciously Ravi's reputation is more important than victims of sexual abuse. But that's absolutely how people act. Yeah, but that's just right. how we get we we all do that though. I mean, we do it as groups and everything. It's just a it's well, like that's you, you, all you need is plausible deniability and the benefit of the doubt culture, right. and it's on. That's just that's what well, that, well, that's what I was going to say. Like, I I mean, I followed him. I thought he would. Oh, man, you know, you would see the videos. I was I was talking earlier before you came on, Daniel, about like it, when I first started seeing more about Ravi. I, some friends told me about him, and then there were some books, and I was like, I'll check this out. And other, you know, Christian apologist, he stand, you know, and then it was kind of like the Ben Shapiro thing where Ravi destroys atheists or, you know, this and that. And you go, oh man, this guy really is, you know, and so you start giving him the benefit of the doubt because you think he's doing the Lord's work. What was it? Did, that's what I was going to say. Were you like uh, right. a fan of his or, or pro him? And then what was it like for you hearing all this stuff about him behind the scenes? Yeah, he was never one of my guys. I knew who he was, of course. Yeah. I had listened to him a couple of times, um, but I wasn't uh, wasn't ever a Robbie Zacharias um, devotee. More of an Osteen guy. I, I yeah. certain <laughs> I certainly couldn't have uh, you know mapped out the uh, org chart for RZIM. That that came later. That took a lot of reporting. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I. Um, I really like philosophy. I studied philosophy as in undergrad. I did history later on in grad school, but I, I really like philosophy. But for me, philosophy and journalism are both really about opening up exploration. Like it's good to have questions. Yeah. And even the best apologetics feels to me like it often has this element of like, and now we did it. It's done. And it's right. like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, if it's a good question, there are bad questions. But if it's a good question, I feel like it will generate more stuff and it's worth revisiting and it's worth talking about. Um, so I don't know. I didn't I haven't done a lot of apologetics. I don't um, I don't go too far into that. I, yeah, I'm it, more, it, it, more yeah. likely to go towards the philosophical um, side of things, read some Wittgenstein or something. I mean, he was somebody that I really thought I was like, wow, this is, it's an interesting guy. And, and like you said, Matt, you were saying earlier, he's just, I mean, he's very persuasive, uh, very winsome. I mean, told yeah. Yeah. Stories, interesting, really, interesting looking guy, you know, just, really you know, oh, oh, right, right. All yeah. of those things. And so for me, when I started hearing about the story uh, that was interesting coming from India, right. Yeah. And then uh, what was, I mean, we can go into this just real quickly, but the whole, so the first time I started thinking, uh, wait, what does this mean? Was that he was saying, you know, he had, it was Dr. Zacharias, and but then that was an honorary degree, but there was some labeling that they had to start changing. And I was like, why would he do that? That seems a little bit bizarre. Even that first little bit of information mm -hmm. that came out about him, that is when I started changing my mind going, wait a minute, that that does seem a little bit strange that you would you got an honorary doctorate from somewhere. And I mean, was he, so he was using more and more uh, credentials that weren't even true to, to get more uh, position in Christianity or what there? Yeah. I mean, sort of grabbing credibility and inflating credentials. Right. Um, yeah. Which, which um, happened a lot in the old days, I mean, I don't know if you know, like Francis Schaeffer, 
everyone called him Dr. Schaefer. It's an honorary doctorate. Like it used to be a pretty normal thing. It was normal. And it is, it is still in some cultures. I mean, it's a little bit like the Southern thing where you call someone a Colonel, like, like, like in a certain context, you know, that this just means I honor you and not you earned this title or you earned this degree. Um, though I think the line between it's honorary and we say it just to honor him and I'm pretending to have accomplished something that I didn't, that's a pretty blurry, that's a pretty blurry line. And Zacharias um, had been, was very clear um, that what was the effect of claiming these credentials. And it went beyond that actually with him. So he like, um, I think it was at, can't remember now if it was Oxford or Cambridge, but there was something where like he took a, he sat in on a class and then claimed to have studied with a person. Yeah. Said he right. went to Cambridge or something. Yeah. And Oxford, then he like yeah. had a position at one of, you know, the way the Oxford system works, you can have all these different schools. And he had like an affiliate position for like a summer program with one of the uh, things associated. So it was like two yeah. or three degrees from Oxford. And then it would be, he taught at Oxford and it's like, well, no, no, that's not, you know, but he seemed very clear on the effect that those, that those types of claims would have. What was uh, his, so, so his name of one of the spas was called touch of Eden or maybe that was both of them, but uh, he had a business partner. Was the first one and Javon wellness was the second Javon wellness. And his partner was apparently like the Hindi word for life. Oh, okay. Um, but he had a business partner, Anurag Sharma. I, I might be saying his name wrong, but what was Anurag? Yeah, Anurag. What What did he say, and what did he think about? I mean, is, is he also a Christian supporter? What What was this bu- business partner in your article? It just says business partner. Yeah. So Sharma um, was um, also from India, uh, lived in the U.S., and sort of came into contact with uh, Zacharias and loved him and he he's also someone who's listened to like lots and lots of self-help tapes and when he found um zacharias he just thought this guy's the best um and he loved everything about him he listened to him every day and ended up becoming friends with him and i think that indian connection helped like they had him over for dinner and stuff um and Sharma told me, for instance, like, oh, I, I would text him all the time. I loved him so much. He just, I was, he was the smartest person around and I just loved to be around him. He'd even like volunteer to drive him to the airport and stuff just to get time to be around him. So when, when Zacharias, from, from what I can tell, when Zacharias was like, I want to start a spa, he was someone who could help put up the money. I see. But he, so- and he told me, he's like, I don't know anything about spas, but here's $50,000. Like I'll help. I just, he said I was on cloud nine. I just wanted to be around him and I would do anything, wow. which, which there's two, two elements there that I think are really worth, worth calling attention to. One is that Zacharias seems like he really curried those types of relationships. The people around him from everything I can tell were not people who could who could call him on stuff. We're not people who would say, Hey, everybody else thinks you're the best ever, but like, I know the real you or one of those types of, you know, that kind of friend who's like other people think you're a genius, but I also know you're stupid. Um, He tended to, he tended to curry 
those those types of relationships. Because that way he could just remain hidden. What would it even good? And maybe he was just always manipulative. He's manipulating men for that kind of support and protection. He's manipulating women for sex, but it's the same in some ways it's the same treating people the same the same way in both cases. And and, and so uh, like the whole organization, his family, wife, business partner, all of them are kind of claiming they didn't know much. They're saying they didn't know he was doing these things. The business partner found out at some point and has apologized um, to as many people as, as he's been able to find um, and has said things like, I don't know why I didn't stop it sooner. Um, it's a little hard to tell exactly what he knew when, but but he feels a lot of responsibility and feels like he should have known. Um, but no, the ministry, everyone's saying they didn't know Everyone's saying they had no reason to suspect um, and no reason and, at all to suspect. <laughs> yeah. And, and the investig the, the um, external investigation, the independent investigation says specifically, we did not find any evidence that anyone knew. Like there's no, there's no, I don't have any evidence that anyone was in on it, that anyone else went along with it or or even like heard about it decided not to look i mean i do think that there is a point where not knowing is its own kind of indictment it's one thing to say oh i knew and i i hit it that's clearly a a wrong and evil but i never knew but should you have known there's a lot it's sometimes it's your job to know there's a statistic um, yeah. there that I, that would be interesting to have, and it's how many times do boards do investigations that come back with nothing to see here versus that's not – I mean, it'd probably be a staggering amount of because when there's an investigation, you'd think a certain amount of that percentage would be stuff to find, but I bet it's skewed because that's in the pattern of many, many scandals that come out. They always do an investigation where they hire an investigator that is like independent or whatever, but it often will come back clean. And, and you then see there was that. You, have it, you go, well, I did, we did our part and you don't have to, you do not look after that. Like once you've paid, done the thing, got it, what you see is independent investigation and it came back negative. You, you, you're good to go after that. You don't look anymore if you don't have to. And there was that full stint first impulse to investigate, meaning, to look into the people who are attacking us. Right. Um, and there also is pretty well documented in the stories an impulse of, we don't need to investigate because we know this man. We know right. him personally. We've been around him. You know, their initial denial to me was, he's 74. We've been around him all his life. I think we would we, know. We right. know the truth, yeah. you know, and, and there's a certain plausibility to that, except right. if people are hiding things. Right. Who, who do you think they're hiding them from? Yeah. You. And if your whole culture is about never questioning him and always supporting him and encouraging his dreams, then you're not going to know. But that's, but that's not an excuse. That's, that's right. why you're guilty. You're guilty of not knowing. I mean, it's wrong, but you can understand the organization wants to also save itself. It's jobs and careers and and the good it legitimately uh, does right and, yeah and it does do good so this uh, so the one leader who was very charismatic and and started it all now is your downfall maybe you know 
I can understand the idea of maybe we just can't believe it, or you know, if you, if you got a whiff of something wrong with him, you do maybe look the other way. I'm not saying it's right; it's wrong. But I can understand somebody's mentality of, well, I better not ruffle any feathers because I don't. I, this is my job. What will happen to the ministry? And the, C- yeah. and the CEO currently, after he passed away, is also his daughter. So that oh, adds nice. a certain layer of like a daughter having to investigate the sexual abuse of her father. Um, yeah, right. Is, is this organization is it going to last? I mean, was it is RZIM? Um, yeah, but, Ravi Zacharias International Ministries. Is it going to uh, keep we'll, going, or we'll see? We'll see. Um, they, they. So the, it's international. There's like sixteen international offices. Might be fifteen. I don't remember the exact number. Um, I suspect some of them are going to split. The UK board, which is probably the most um, significant, prestigious one, with people who really do teach at Oxford, um, they've already announced. They've already voted, and they're they're out. They're going to separate. Um, and rebrand, rename themselves, and disown Ravi Zacharias, and be something completely separate. I suspect other international boards will do the same. Um, and then they, I know they've brought in a um, a consulting firm to look at like management structure and office culture and probably will do a rebranding as well. Pretty early on after after that September report, they started talking about like the possibility of changing the name and and making some kind of adjustments. But whether that means it'll be, you know, it was the world's largest apologetics ministry. Will it be um, just a small apologetics ministry or will it cease to exist? Um, I think it might be, you know, 10 people in a giant office in Atlanta. Um, but that remains to be seen. The wow. end of your article is just kind of emotionally devastating. I want to read it. The end of your article says, two of the women who say he sexually harassed them in the spas agreed that Zacharias was a great man who served and sacrificed for the good of the gospel. They, they even told CT the good he did promoting the cause of Christ may outweigh the pain and trauma that he caused them. But they insist that that doesn't mean that uh, the inappropriate sexual conduct did did not occur, even with someone as godly as Ravi. One said, uh, "One said you can still be battling with the devil," and that's how you ended the article mm-hmm. there. And I I was thinking, just they these women are the good people, like they they actually are forgiving. He did bad things to them that will yeah. haunt, haunt them for their entire life. And they can actually say, they actually are saying he was battling with the devil, the things that they did to him. What, what was that like? Uh, just the, these folks that you talked to and you, they still yeah, are um, still believers, still that they're still trying to honor God with even their trauma. Yeah. One of them, I, I, every time I talk to her, she, ask me how Zacharias's family is today. She's like, are his, mm. are his daughters okay? And I'm just like, that, I'm right. Ugh. I'm so impressed <laughs> that that's who you are, you know, that you're it's Christ-like <laughs> you're, <laughs> you're trying to think about. Yeah. And you pain, pain in the world, um, hurts you. Um, yeah. And I, and they, you know, they were really insistent from the beginning that that what they wanted was the truth to come out 
Yeah. And what they wanted was other women not to feel alone. Right. You know, that part of abuse is secrecy. Part of abuse is darkness. And when they did come to terms with their own abuse, one of the things they kept thinking was how many other people are out there? How many other people are living with this type of secret? You know, from Zacharias, but from others as well. Um, And so they said, no, that's why I want to speak up. You know, and we talked about at the beginning, I'm like, I don't have any, I can't promise you that RZIM is going to ever take this seriously. I can't promise you that Christianity writ large is going to believe you. I can't promise you that any sort of change is going to happen in the world, but like we can tell the truth. Um, And that to them was worth it. Well, well, Daniel, they, yeah. know, we appreciate them for, for and, that very much. The people, yeah, and I, I mean, whistleblowers I, I, and people, we've got to support. Right, and I, I mean, I even appreciate Christianity Today and you, Daniel, for really. I mean, I do think you are putting yourself out there. I, I think that a lot of people go. Yeah, I mean, even the the victims are saying, but all the good he did, he did do good. That's what's so hard about this. I believe that Ravi Zacharias did a lot of good, but to not expose the things that weren't good would be sinful to me that, that that actually would be the the bad deceitful thing to show did not show the darker side of a human and for you guys to to do that and for you you know to interview these folks and spend so much time on it um you know we really appreciate it and thank you for being so open and honest with us here thanks i appreciate it it was it was um a real honor to have these people trust me with their story and i'm also humbled by how many other people have have done this work, you know, before me on this story. Um, there's so many people who have, um, kind of broken up this, this really hard road, um, and have made it possible for, for these women to tell their stories and for me to be a part of that. So I really appreciate everything everyone's done. Yeah. Well, thanks you for the time today. We appreciate it. Yeah. Sounds good. Now I'm worried that the next time we see you, you'll be another expose. Well, maybe maybe we can talk about something else. Maybe we yeah, can have yeah. a, a fun. Do you guys do fun bad Christian podcast? <laughs> we maybe, have fun. Yeah, we'll try to, yeah, you got any you lighthearted? A, you should have a fun Christian every other episode. Or you got something. any like a, a raffle articles you're writing? You know, for to, to help. The I mean, I do write. Something. I do write other stuff. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Next time you come back, I want to just we'll just talk about the list of all the people that you have stories about that may never come to light. Yeah. <laughs> we, just, we won't have to go into the details, just list off who they are. That's not quite how that works, but it's, great, it's a great idea. It'd right. be a very popular list. podcast. If you need yeah. a leak. <laughs> where, where can uh, folks find you, though? Do, do Christianity Today, or is there any other place you want to send Christianity Today is great. I write on Christianity Today all the time. I'm also pretty active on Twitter, at Daniel Silliman. Daniel Silliman. All right. Awesome. Well, we really appreciate it, man. Thanks, guys. Take care. Yep. You too. Great. Well, Daniel, I I mean, I really believe that uh, the door has been open now. That, that's what I'm saying. With the internet, Christianity today, you might have, you do have to take more seriously. It was considered to me uh, just pro-Christianity, and it was telling you about what's going on in the world. And I know they probably wrote, uh, you know, some more hard-hitting articles, but now in our circle, in the Christian circle, they are going to do some in-depth investigative reporting. And it's going, I think it's going to be really good. Like you're going to see, you're going to see Christianity today potentially have the possibility to to do more for Christianity than, you know, 
uh, outside news networks like CNN or Fox, Fox News or something like that. I mean, those they might post an article about it, but it, within Christianity, we have to call ourselves out. And so I think that's that's good. Yeah, that's a good, good momentum. Yeah. Also, we got to you got to book that banjo atheist guy. He sounds kick ass. Yeah, I know. The banjo <laughs> atheist. My god. <laughs> we pro- I probably will get him. I mean, I know. It, well, it sounds like a well, fun guy. I know. He probably will be pretty fun. I mean, he's, he's the atheist and he plays the banjo. Yeah. I mean, you don't get much wilder than that. To put those together means he's he's one of those quirky guys that I think we're going to like. Well, how about this? <laughs> if if Toby Morrell in uh 1991, if you said Who's the good person, Ravi Zacharias or <laughs> banjo, banjo atheist? atheist. <laughs> Which one do I pick? Yeah, I know. You know I what know. I mean? Like seriously, like I mean, isn't that crazy that the banjo atheist he even broke the story and said no one's going to believe this, but at least I'll just try. Yeah. Well, I'll you know tell what you I mean? what's the saddest part if you really put all together all of the facts, including the business partner part. Right. That's very sad because that's the guy that Ravi went to, liked, obviously his friend, the board is his friends, these people in his life. And if none of them knew that and he knew exactly what he would do and he would speak to those women and those people, he knew everything and nobody else really knew who the guy was. So right. he lived his the whole time, okay, doing good. You know, give him all the give not him, but give credit to God for all the things that his ministry accomplished. But that man wasn't known by anybody while he was here. Right. That's right. What's crazy, and really crazy that he could articulate and speak. And I'll say it again: if she ever spoke out against him, she would be responsible for millions of souls right. lost when his reputation was damaged. Now he died before all that happened. Right. And then it did happen. And so according to Ravi, millions of souls have been lost. Right. It did happen. And his opinion is that millions of souls his, have been his lost. Manipulation. Yeah. That's what but I'm is. saying I think he believed that. That would have been required. So I'm saying that man's Maybe. mental state is very sad to me because he must have believed that or been a, you know what I mean? Like either way you want to slice it, he was all in on it or he's that cynical, manipulative, but nobody else knew. And he was worried about that, you know, for right. a reason. And it did happen. Even though he's gone and he you know, he left his daughter in the situation that he left his daughter in. Right. Yeah. You know, so some people say, well, he never got punished while he was alive or he got out or whatever. But I mean, there's no evidence to me that he lived any quality right. of a good mental life. Well, well how about this, though? I, like, uh, so it pops up on my Facebook feed every night. It's, uh, um, what's his name? What's, uh, Dang it. Oh, God, I'm getting old. <laughs> Who pops what's up on uh, Facebook? What's uh, Growing Pains Christian? Kirk Cameron. Kirk Cameron. He's doing this uh, 100 nights, and he does a, uh, he lights up his fire pit, and he sits there and preaches to you, right? Mm-hmm. He was, I mean, every, every night he talks about, man, the evil and Satan, and he will lead you away, and he will lead you astray, and all this stuff. Why won't all those people come out right now and tell you that Ravi Zacharias is burning in a lake of fire in hell? Because he is, if... Everything that I've been taught, you know, that I was taught, not everything I've been taught, but what I was taught when I was growing up 
somebody like Ravi Zacharias is burning in hell right now for eternity on fire for the crimes and the horrific things he did to people on this earth without repentance. Because he did, of he did, the woe to you, you know. Right. I mean, just Kirk Cameron two nights ago was saying that Satan will lead you astray, and if you don't get right with God, you know what will happen. I mean, Kirk Cameron, mm-hmm. hero for Christ and all that stuff. So for his, needs, from his yeah. view, Ravi's in So, so why, I mean, yeah. why is he telling you about you being worried about going to hell? Why wouldn't he say some of the uh, these big famous people, like, yeah, they're burning in hell that right would, now. Ravi Zacharias is burning in hell. Right. Yeah. Ravi Zacharias is burning in That's hell why you really right now forever. Yeah, it happened to Ravi. Right? So but let that, me use yeah. this as an illustration to you. Cause, he, right, yeah. right. Yeah. I mean, that. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, why, what's the use of uh, the illustration of hell without actually saying, oh, well, look, th- here's a, pr- let me give you an example. It's just an illustration. It's just something you say. Or here's an example. And so that's what, I mean, we, let's make some bad Christian t shirts that say, Ravi Zacharias is burning in hell. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I or think. Or else it's not true, which I'm okay with. I'm 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 really okay with saying let's move on from this hell condemnation burning thing. But if not, if if people aren't going to move, if, if if like family members and people you know and people on Facebook aren't moving away from hell, well, they need to be wearing a Ravi Zacharias's burning in hell T-shirt as a warning to save more souls, or, be, or else they don't care about souls. Functional for their right? soul saving. Ravi Zacharias yeah. did so much for the kingdom. Uh, unfortunately, he didn't get to go in the promised land, just like Moses, right? He's in hell burning right now. As soon as he died, he is burning. His flesh is burning. He's screaming. He's in agony because of the sin that he did here. And he and God says he deserves it. So I, who am I to say? God says he deserves it, not me. I don't think Ravi Zacharias should burn forever, maybe. Maybe I'm too nice of a guy. Or perhaps God says you burn. could use a different uh, interpretation of hell and understand that his mental state that he must have left in or spending eternity knowing what he's left his daughter with that maybe no. that's a metaphor, you know. Maybe but, that could be conceived of as hellish, you know. That's an alternative. But I, I'm the bad guy mindset. if I say if if I make a T-shirt, uh, Ravi Zacharias is burning yes, in hell. The bad guy. I'm the bad guy. Okay. Uh, I think maybe not. Are, yeah. uh, well, let's start with him at least, maybe first. <laughs> I mean, what? I mean, he's burning in hell. That's what I, all. I mean, how many people? How many Christians out there say people go to hell for doing horrible sin? No. He did horrible uh, sin. Did not repent. Yeah, unrepentant. I mean, they they found. I mean, they found they say, on his no, phone maybe now. He repented to somebody, or he repented uh, to God, or whatever. Well, though, why did know? he still have all those pictures on his phone? Then Matt, they found him after he was dead. Yeah. So I, I mean, that's between him and God. But and, and he didn't see, die suddenly yeah. either. But if he ain't in hell, you probably don't need to worry about it. If Zach, Ravi Zacharias isn't in hell, then anyone then listening your kids right now don't need to worry about it. Probably either, right? Yeah. Don't right. don't tell them they don't might. Tell your kids they, about it. Don't then. don't tell them. Don't give them a threat of hell. Lay Don't tell your shit. kids unrepentant sin will, will cast them into hell. Right. Uh, no. Or tell them, yeah, look at Ravi Zacharias. He's burning right now. He yeah. is burning. You, know, you, you know, you and I, we're going to go get a coffee at Starbucks. Ravi Zacharias at this moment is burning on fire with worms in his body eating his flesh. And you in think darkness that isn't with fire. true but possibly true, though. Like, you actually, you're saying that, and there's Well, because I was taught it. it. So I'm saying you're not it. sure that that's not the case. I, I can't. I can't tell you that yeah. he's not burning with flesh. Uh, his flesh burning and with with uh, worms in his flesh. But anyway, so this is a good moment to join the BC Club. I'd say because <laughs> 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 I'm telling you, I don't know what's right or wrong anymore. But I will just say I think Ravi Zacharias is wrong, and. This is a great episode. I really appreciate Daniel coming on here and being so open and honest. 
You want more episodes like this? You want more stuff Love. going on? Uh, uh, you want more stuff behind the scenes? The BC Club is awesome. Uh, we They get two extra episodes a month. A, uh, week. a week, not a month. Uh, eight extra episodes a, a month, I guess. Um, we do Mondays and Friday episodes, and uh, it's just going great. And the the team, the, I call them. Uh, I guess I should maybe I shouldn't say team, but I feel like our BC is a team that are all together trying to do the same thing. Just figure out this thing we call faith and deconstruction and reconstruction or whatever you want to call it. So uh, join the BC Club. Where can they go, Matt, to join the BC Club? TheBCClub.com. Yeah. We'll try and tape another episode for you all this week public, too, while we're at it. Maybe Friday like we've been doing. Hanging out. Well, I guess that's it. Is this the pod you've always wanted to hear? We are two guys that sometimes drink beer. And we say things that your mom told you to fear. It's the bad, bad, bad.